What's up, everyone? Hope you're having a great week. Rich here, and we're back with episode 12 of the Rich Webster Show. Another mini episode for you. As I said, we are in the home stretch of How to Work Less Cohort 5 right now, and I'm doing just some mini episodes on topics that I've been thinking about, and this one today is something that when the idea came to me, I knew needed to be something I talked about on the podcast. But yeah, we're wrapping things up on the How to Work Less Cohort 5 front. We have our last week of lessons this upcoming week. So I imagine there'll probably be one or two more of these short ones before we're back to our regularly scheduled programming. But I've been getting some good feedback on these. So maybe I'll I'll do a, a mix of the two. Okay, so today's episode is about building your house on borrowed land. Now, if you don't know what I mean, I promise I will explain it. But just by the nature of the phrase, building your house on borrowed land, doesn't seem like a good idea, does it? And yet many of us do it when it comes to business. And another word for building your house on borrowed land is platform risk, which is what I want to talk about today and share my mistakes with it. Um, I have a story myself um, where I effed around and found out when it came to platform risk. And I want to share some other ones and see if I can hopefully help a couple of you skip some steps or at least plan for some contingencies around platform risk. So platform risk, what is it? Great question, Rich. I'm glad you asked. Um, And I got this definition from Startup Illustrated, but platform risk is when you build your business or side hustle on top of an existing platform in order to leverage its existing services or users. Now that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, that's how many businesses are created. And there is a risk that anytime you're building on someone else's land, um, they could make a change or decide to do something different and you could have an existential threat to your business. Now, building on borrowed land doesn't just apply to business. The first story that always comes to mind, which I saw on Twitter recently, is this story about this woman. I can't believe this is real. Um, Who had been living in her own apartment for a while, and she decided that even though she was a renter, she was going to personally renovate this apartment. And, you know, she talked with the landlord. Landlord was like, sure, go for it. Spends five figures, you know, I think somewhere between ten dollars and $20,000 renovating this apartment only to promptly have the landlord evict her for breaking the terms of her lease and then immediately taking the newly renovated unit and putting it back on the market. So building on borrowed land, it's not a good idea. The reason that I knew I wanted to talk about this though, and I want to share a couple of stories and examples of how this can go wrong in business and what you need to think about and be aware of, because I think in 2023, there's no way to not build your house on borrowed land. It seems like everything is designed to work that way, but we just need to think about how to reduce risk when it comes to these platform risks. So I have a coaching client right now Um, who were working together and he took how to work less. He was in cohort two. He's got a great business and we're working together right now. And a big revenue stream in his business is these templates that he's created. I'm going to try to keep this anonymous. I'm sure you wouldn't care, but um, they're templates for a product and they're built on top of another service that is 
extremely popular with businesses. A lot of businesses use this product and their templates that go with it basically. And they sell for hundreds to thousands of dollars for these templates. So for him, this has been really, really great passive income, quote unquote, um, you know, bringing in 10, 20 grand a month. So <laughs> sounds pretty good, right? You know, build some templates on a platform and get paid. It's pretty darn solid. Well, recently what he found when we were talking is that out of the blue, that had halved. So he was making half the money that he did with no change on his front. But the reason is his templates were high quality and they were actually featured prominently in this business's template marketplace. So they were on the front page. And as a result, of course, that gives you extra credibility. It's the same reason why you know, if you're a business, you don't want to be on page seven of Google. You want to be on page one. So his templates were featured prominently in their template marketplace. And then all of a sudden, you know, the revenue stops. And what happened? Well, it turns out that this business decided that they were going to redesign the template marketplace page. And this is why platform risk is so dangerous and insidious because my client is essentially collateral damage, right? I'm sure that the priorities up the chain of redesigning this page were like two or three people's pet project got redesigned for XYZ reason and XYZ business goal that we could have no idea of knowing and no idea that the page is gonna get redesigned. And it's no fault of his, um, but someone with different priorities wanted to go in a different direction. And that is the existential risk. Fortunately, my client, this is not his only form of income. So I think we can all feel a little better about the fact that even if the templates go to zero or they become, you know, much, much less valuable to him, he's not, you know, he's not out of money, you know, there, he has other ways to mitigate this risk. But this is the existential question, right? When you build something like this, you need to ask yourself, okay, well, what happens if this company whose land I'm building on shuts down the marketplace completely? Or what happens if they ban the sale of templates? Or what happens if they sell them themselves? And especially, this is the biggest risk, I think, long-term. I mean, there are a couple. But if you try to build a big business on someone else's land, I think that is where you are really going to get screwed. Um, because once you start making too much money, companies pay attention. Now, 10 to 20 grand on templates, it's it's not even, it's a drop in a bucket inside another bucket with drops in it. You know what I mean? Like for this corporation, it's, it's not a big deal. No one's paying attention. But I've seen people build, you know, um, add-ons or like plugins or things like this for other pieces of software or for products of other companies. And once you start making too much money, companies start paying attention. And all of a sudden they do the math and realize, well, we can just knock this person off and make our own version and capture all their money. And we can basically shut them down too because they're building on our land. So that's where things get really, really dangerous. And I want to give you another example that really hammers home this point that I'm talking about. Shopify. Okay. This is from a Twitter post that I bookmarked 
couple weeks ago because I knew I wanted to talk about it at some point because this all just jogged my memory of this issue that I had um, like five or six years ago. And this is from a dude named Dennis Hegstad on Twitter. You can drop him a follow. He is a builder and he shared this thread on his experience recently with Platform Risk. So Dennis has built two Shopify apps in the past and sold them for eight and seven figures. So the way that it works with Shopify, if you're not familiar, Shopify is a place where you can sell stuff online, you can sell physical products, you can sell digital products. There is a thriving marketplace and app store where developers and teams create products to enhance the Shopify platform. Dennis has obviously done quite well selling previous apps for eight and seven figures. So he is in a good position. Um, going into the story, he's like, I've done this twice. I feel like I have it all figured out. Um, what could go wrong on the third app? Like I'm a pro. So he actually goes out and he raises capital, you know, brings on investors for this third Grand Slam Shopify app project. And he basically has to announced that this company called Vigilance is shutting down due to unforeseen platform risk on Shopify that essentially killed their business overnight. So he explained that he launched this new platform on December 7th. He launched Vigilance on December 7th, 2022. The goal of this tool was to help Shopify merchants from coupon code leaks and injections, which is a huge problem, right? There's like tools that can basically, you know, leak their coupon codes and automatically apply them and stuff like that. So within two months of launching, he already had 50 merchants uh, on the app who were relying on it. Um, you know, it basically blocks these companies maybe you've heard of them like honey is a plugin where it'll just search for uh, coupon codes and automatically apply them capital one has a tool there's other coupon extensions so it's basically solving this problem where people that you know didn't necessarily actually earn the coupon um were applying it so this is solving a real problem that saves merchants money and it sounded great unfortunately <laughs> shopify decided on February 15th to launch something called Shopify Editions. And sadly for them, one of the biggest changes was a massive change to Shopify's checkout. And this change removed access to checkout.liquid and forced all merchants to upgrade by August, 2024. Now checkout.liquid is basically the crux for this entire tool. They rely on this in order to exist. So what does that mean? Unfortunately, that means Vigilance is shutting down. Shopify is not going to include them in any blogs, marketing, app features, referrals. New merchants are automatically on the new checkout, which essentially means that this business does not exist. There's no technical workaround. There's no official solution. The only answer for Dennis is to start from scratch, build another business, or shut down. Okay, so this is the existential threat that I'm talking about when it comes to platform risk. Shopify decides that they need to do some other things. I'm sure this Shopify additions update has nothing to do with putting vigilance out of business. Um, they have other priorities. They have other features that they want to launch. And if you're caught in the crossfire and collateral damage, there's really nothing that you can do about it. So basically, Dennis goes on to say that are we going to start a new different business? Definitely. Will it be in the Shopify app ecosystem? Most likely not. 
but never say never. So unfortunately, Dennis learned this lesson the hard way. And after two big wins, eventually he found out that when you build on someone else's land, it is always their land. And while in this instance, I don't believe that anything malicious or untoward was going on with Shopify, um, both with Shopify and with the story from my coaching client, I think these are both just you know examples of collateral damage. What we have seen and what I have heard anecdotally with many big corporations, anecdotally Shopify as well, Shopify has this incredible app store and they use it as a way to have people essentially build features for free. People will start businesses around them. They'll sell those businesses. And then what I have heard is that Shopify will see ones that are performing well and essentially just turn those into features on the Shopify product, essentially knocking them off and putting them out of business completely. Now, that is an existential risk that you need to be worried about when you're building on someone's land, especially I think a big way to think about this is like what percentage of my business relies on someone else's land. I think that that's a good framework to think about. And obviously, if you're building on the Shopify app store, well, there you go. I have also heard anecdotally, there are a lot of news reports and business articles on this that Amazon will use this tactic as well, Amazon.com where they see that if an e-commerce item is popping off, if it's doing really well, if it's so, uh, selling a lot of volume, they have that data and they can immediately see, hey, this is super, super profitable. Why don't we create our Amazon originals or I forget what they call it, Amazon basics version of this new hot product. And of course it shows up at the top of the search listing. And as a result, <laughs> the person who came up with the idea doesn't do as well. Another existential threat. So that's what leads me to my story. And this was, I, I think, I, I'm sure I could look up the actual date, but let's just assume it was 2017. And I had this happen to me. So at the time, I was working on an awesome project. I was so psyched about this. This was probably one of my favorite projects, honestly, that I worked on. Um, because it, it, you know, combined more of my interests than my client work usually did. And we were partnering with the eSports division um, of a Fortune, I think Fortune 100 company. Um, you've definitely heard of it. They do car insurance. They have a lovable mascot and really funny commercials. I'll just leave it at that. And they have a whole gaming division, which is essentially just, you know, more marketing for them, right? It's all about just, it's their, their esports slash gaming marketing division. So I was working with the director over there as well as, um, another agency. And we had created this product that was a monthly esports live broadcast. So it was essentially broadcasting once a month, a um, game and we kind of had built out this thing that really didn't exist in any kind of formal capacity before. So we built out the entire product, the branding, um, all the tech, all the video stuff, get the gear, hired the talent, launched it. We did a first broadcast, which is a proof of concept launch, which did insanely well, ton of viewership, 
you know, in terms of their advertising goals, definitely moved the needle. Everything was great. We were really excited about it. And basically we're about to sign for what appeared to be a six figure contract to produce this product for the next year. <laughs> and then I remembered, you know, we're building on someone else's land here because the video game company whose land we were building on, both my company and the corporate sponsor came in and they said, we've just updated our policy. If you wanna do any kind of broadcasts with our IP, intellectual property, it's gonna be $500,000 for the license. Okay, so they basically went from, this is totally free, anyone can use it because it's good press for our game and we want more people to play our game, to we want a piece of the action. And if big companies are paying to sponsor our content, we would like to be paid. And as a result, this was the end, you know? It stomped out any kind of third-party events or broadcasts. Um, 500K was essentially, at that point, based on what the market would bear, so high that I think it was uh, basically, you're not doing this price. Because um, I don't think anyone would have paid that much for the license. And this is, this is building your house on borrowed land. This is platform risk in a nutshell. And I have now seen this countless times with other people in my network um, that I know from the kind of gaming and esports world where they build these businesses around specific games, you know, like streamers that um, focus on one game exclusively and then something changes with that game or the viewership goes down and then their business is gone. That is a huge, huge risk if you are some kind of live streamer. If you become known for this game and people are fickle, the hottest game one week, a year later can have basically no players or no viewership. And if you are the streamer for that game and then you know the tides shift and fortunes move around, you know, you could have built a business that doesn't exist anymore. Um, so as a result, I learned my lesson the hard way, okay? I spent a ton of time, ton of, you know, money, not, well, some cash, a lot of, you know, opportunity costs that could have been spent on other things. And as a result, I had nothing to show for it, but I did have a good time. And, you know, it's all about the, fr <laughs> the friends you make along the way. But I learned my lesson and I will never make that mistake again. What are other examples of building houses on borrowed land? And then we're going to talk about what you can do about it, what you need to pay attention to, and how you can avoid this in the future so you don't waste your time like I did. The biggest time that you hear this phrase, don't build your house on borrowed land, is when it comes to social media. Okay, obviously the risk of losing access to your social media audience, whether your Facebook gets hacked, your Instagram disappears or gets shut down, the risk of losing access to your audience is the risk when it comes to building on top of a social media platform. And anything can happen, and I've seen this, you know, you get hacked, they ban your account for some reason, unbeknownst to you, or, oh my God, and people will always complain, they change the algorithm. Rich, they change the algorithm, right? 
they changed the algorithm and you can only reach 10% of the people when you used to be able to reach 100. That is platform risk in a nutshell. So you create the same content and the audience who follows you doesn't see it anymore. Now I've seen this firsthand with my business, but it hasn't negatively impacted us. What I found was on Instagram, when I hit 100,000 followers, which was a while ago now, maybe a year ago, I noticed, this is crazy, night and day. So basically the second I hit the 100K threshold, my reach plummeted. And what I understand that to mean, and from talking with a lot of people, and it was like it was like the 100K was the milestone, is that Instagram, once you get to a certain point, wants you to pay to access your entire audience. They don't just want to give you access to it for free, right? You know, social media is basically an advertising platform. And I saw a huge dip in my reach as soon as I hit 100K. Now, the algorithm changes constantly. It's gotten much better since then um, because while, interestingly, I do not reach um, as many of my actual followers, I reach significantly more non-followers with my Instagram reels than I ever did. So I have about, if I look at my dashboard, it's somewhere around 2 million um, impressions on accounts that across the board, but probably 95% of them are people that don't follow me. So I will not, 100% of my followers will never even see my content. Um, so that's an ex existential risk, right? Losing your audience is a huge one. And social media is one of the biggest ones. Um, but losing your growth or your sales channel can be just as devastating. So in these cases, you can't sell your app, your product, or your service. And when you build, let's say, a mobile app, right? There's a certain amount of trust that you have to have <laughs> that you know the Apple App Store is going to continue to act in good faith. And for any reason, I've heard these stories, you know, if they no longer list your app or the Google Play Store unlist your app or you get a bunch of negative reviews or, you know, whatever it is, or Shopify, like we talked about, your business can be over overnight. That is extremely, extremely dangerous. And yeah, there's, there's a lot there. So you could lose your entire business overnight when you put all your eggs in one basket. One last one I will mention that if you're in the online marketing world, you're probably aware of is Facebook ads. Um, believe it or not, we we can learn how Meta, Facebook, actually built some of their land on Apple's, or some of their buildings on Apple's land. Um, you maybe heard this a couple years ago, there was the iOS 14 update, which was a tremendous um, shift in Apple's privacy policy and the way that other companies are able to access targeting and tracking data, which mainly, you know, allowed users to opt out of tracking, which meant it's much harder to retarget your audience. So what people who, this is an issue for two levels. Number one, Facebook slash Meta has a problem because they sell advertising and their ability to make money is based on the quality of the advertising that they sell. Second level, the people that buy advertising from them find that with these new targeting updates, their data is worse, their smaller audiences to target, their CPM goes up, which is basically 
you know, the cost that they pay to advertise and more hoops to jump through because of these security measures like domain verifications, shorter attribution windows, stuff like that. Okay, so this is a massive, massive issue. The reporting is all over the place. Metrics that advertisers tend to track like return on ad spend, um, cost per acquisition. You know, one buyer said that there's a 57% gap between sales seen on Shopify and what Facebook is reporting. So yeah, it's, it's rough. So as always, you know, building your business on other folks land is very, very dangerous. So now that you know, what can you do? Let's talk about solutions and how to mitigate this risk. Because I really believe that in 2023, there is no way to fully remove platform risk. You know, we're basically a 100% online culture, 100% online business for the most part, um, at least the people that are listening to this. And there will always be some degree of platform risk. So we're going to ask ourselves, how can we reduce it? So number one is quite simple. It's diversification. Now, the more easily accessible competitors that exist, if you're all in on one platform, the degree of platform risk decreases. So one of the ways that you can diversify your risk is being on many platforms. Now, I don't recommend that you... (laughs) if you have 500 social media followers that you go get on six other platforms to diversify your platform risk. If you are small, it's not your biggest problem. You know, like your problem is you need to grow on one platform and then worry about diversification. So that's an important caveat. And we just talked about this. I think this was literally last week's episode. Okay, so diversification comes once you have something that is worth losing. (laughs) If you don't have anything worth losing, don't even worry about diversifying. But one of the ways that you see people that have larger businesses diversify their platform risk is something like a YouTuber with a big following on Twitter, Instagram, um, physical stores, having an e-commerce platform as well so that they have a second channel of income. So once you get big enough, you can ensure that if one platform fails, your business is not put at risk. So the big question you want to ask yourself there is if X platform goes down, (laughs) I don't mean X is in the platform X. If a platform goes down, are there easy competitors that I could move to in this instance? Like one example would be I have built how to work less is teaching platform the course on circle. Now we've invested some time into the platform and if circle were to shut down or do something crazy, like make their prices 50 times more or something, I don't feel a strong degree of risk because there are easy alternatives and competitors out there. There are probably 10 other companies that I could go to and migrate everything the next day. So that's something to think about is if there are easy competitors, you're probably not in bad shape. If there are no easy competition, like you build a Shopify app on the Shopify store, you can't move that anywhere else. So diversification is something to pay attention to. Something else you should pay attention to are ownership. Obviously, you hear people talk about this on social media all the time. Rather than diversifying to multiple platforms, which I think is going to spread your attention all over the place, if you are on one platform on social media, I would instead encourage you to 
send people to something that you own, which would be an email list. So even if you lose your account, you retain the ability to contact the people that are interested in what you sell or that they're interested in you no matter what happens to the platforms. The classic other example is having your own website, your own blog, a place where you can release content outside of any of the platforms. And that at least ensures that there's always a place that you own where this stuff lives. Okay, last example would be if you're in e-commerce, you can have your own privately hosted e-commerce website on top of selling on platforms. So obviously, you know, <laughs> Amazon, if you sell all your stuff on Amazon and then they take your data and realize that um, we can make the Amazon basics version of whatever it is that you sell, that's a risk. So, you know, ownership is another way that you can get around it. So I say all this to just let you know that number one, there is always risk, period. The number one thing is just to ask yourself, am I aware of the risk? Do I understand what happens? So just a couple of points here as about applying this. Number one is just having that awareness of where you ha are exposed to risk and to what degree. So what is your solution for social media platform risk? And maybe it's that you have an email. Uh, what is your solution to building your product <laughs> on Shopify, maybe you don't have a, a good answer to that, but you need to know so that you don't put all your eggs in one basket and then lose your wake up and lose your business through no fault of your own. Okay, awareness is essential when it comes to mitigating risk. Okay, number two is like I said, you gotta be aware of what degree of bad it is and what degree of risk it is. If there are easy competitors where you could simply switch to another one, you're probably not too bad. That really discourages the companies from doing things that are going to harm their users or the people that are building on their land. Now, if your whole business is based on it, like some of the examples I mentioned, that's not as great. And if you do have one you know, product that is based on one platform only, then maybe you have a second one. You know, I talked about my coaching guy. I think he was at the point, you know, he's already making six figures from two different revenue streams. I think at that point, diversification does make a little bit more sense. You know, we talked last week about when it makes sense to diversify. And, you know, if you're not at six figures, it doesn't matter. You know, the, the, the issue of platform risk is not your biggest problem right now, and it will be eventually. Okay, last thing is to create contingencies. So it's as simple as asking yourself and just having the thought exercise for all the different areas of your business. If I were to lose X platform or Y land, what am I going to do? So for me, you know, I have contingencies like, um, you know, what would happen if I lost my Instagram account? Number one, I'm currently paying for insurance on my Instagram account so that if it gets hacked or deleted or reported, um, I use a company called Notch. Um, it's not an ad or anything. I'm just informing you about what I use. And that is a big, big time saver um, or not time saver, stress saver. Um, so one of the ways that I mitigate that risk is with insurance, which is a great way to manage risk. Um, 
Also, if my Instagram got shut down, I would know what I need to do to rebuild on that platform. I also have all of my old content, every single post backed up and saved. So I could always start a new page and repost it. I also have an email list. So even if the account got shut down, I have access to the emails of the people that are interested and I'm always trying to bring people onto my owned platform. Okay, now email list, right? Perfect example. This is another platform where you're technically building on someone else's land, your email provider. What you have to do is make sure that you, every once in a while, export a CSV file of all of your email subscribers and back it up somewhere so that you have a place on your own. So there's no risk there. But with something like, you know, I use ConvertKit. There's a bunch of different providers, MailChimp, you know, Beehive, whatever email list provider you use. There's a bunch of competitors. There's a lot of competition. They're all vying for it. So you're not going to see them, you know, trying to kick people off their land. They want you there. Okay. So creating those contingencies and understanding at each level of risk, what happens and what you would do if there was an issue is another way that you can kind of plan around this. So that's pretty much it. I hope you found this to be valuable and a an unique thought exercise that most people don't talk about. And people don't really talk about this stuff until they get screwed over and they learn the hard way like I did. And I, in a lot of ways, as I talked through this with, with everyone, this is kind of like my companion piece to the last lesson. And it is two sides of the coin, right? Like we don't diversify early, but when we get to a place where we need to diversify, we need to understand what's risky and what's not risky. So that's it. Let me know what you think. I hope you enjoyed this one. My call to action for you, if you enjoyed this, is number one, give me a review. Five stars, leave a review on whatever platform. You could also review it on every platform if you have you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And as always, if you want to work with me, if you enjoy this types of stuff, you will love what we do. Um, number one is you can grab my free course, Six Figure Solopreneur Systems at startbuildingsystems.com. There's a link in the description. And we are kicking off cohort six of how to work less because cohort five is almost done. And we have announced the date. It will start the first full week of January. So not on the first, but on the eighth. And you can actually get on the wait list for that now for my best price and my best deal. Cohort six, start off the new year right, learn.howtoworkless.com. And I will see everyone next week.